Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only program brought to you by Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Matt Chatterton. On the program this week, the countdown is nearly over. The rugby world watches on as England prepare to take on Fiji at Twickenham in the World Cup opener. The man in charge of the World Cup gives us his thoughts on the tournament. Lydia Coe's claimed her first major. She's the youngest ever woman to do so. We find out what's next for the Kiwi team sensation. Maria Tutaia is taking extended leave from Netball New Zealand, ruling her out of the Constellation Cup against Australia next month. Sam Tompkins and Zach Guilford are leaving our shores, plus we talk to the coaches of the final of New Zealand football's Chatham Cup. The stage is finally set for the kick-off of the Rugby World Cup, with the tournament hosts England to take on Fiji in the opening match at Twickenham. With more than 2 million tickets sold, organisers are already hailing the event as a commercial success and hoping it can be matched by the on-field action. Alex coogan Rees reports from London. All eyes will turn to Pool A on opening night, with much of the early interest in the tournament focused on which two sides will make it out of the so-called group of death. While most of the talk about the pool has revolved around England, Australia and Wales, the English coach Stuart Lancaster is well aware of the threat they'll face from the Fijians, who have twice reached the quarterfinals and have been in impressive form recently. We've done our analysis as thoroughly as we would do, or we will do, against Wales or Australia because um, their record now, you know, I don't think they've been beaten in a long time. And uh, as I say, when you put it into a world ranking context, they're, they're, they're ahead of Scotland in the world rankings, just behind Argentina. As a consequence, you know, they deserve all our respect because they've not just got a good team, they've got high quality players within that team and obviously clearly now well coached. The Fijians know how tough it will be to get a result in the opener, with the large majority of fans at the home of rugby likely to be cheering against them. However, the captain, Akapusian Gera, says the Pacific Nations champions aren't just here to make up the numbers. The mentality for every sport is uh, to try and win every game as possible. And uh, for us as a, as a group, as a Flying Fijians moving forward, uh, that's the mentality that we want to take to as well. And uh, looking forward to the big challenge that is ahead of us. The match will be preceded by the opening ceremony, a 20-minute performance telling the story of the birth of rugby. The managing director of England 2015, Stephen Brown, says it's been challenging logistically, but thinks they've managed to put together a memorable show to launch the tournament. You've got really 20 minutes to put on a, a welcome show, which has got to be spectacular. We want it to be spectacular and a big, a big celebration of the event. We've got to play some rugby straight after it as well, so you need to get it all cleared off the pitch, make sure the pitch is in good shape and then get on with the, with the first match. So um, everything is, is in place. Um, we're in good shape. Our groundsman's very happy uh, at Twickenham, so if he's happy, everyone else is happy and we're good to go. The match will be played in front of a sold-out crowd of 82,000, while the All Blacks opener against Argentina at Wembley Stadium on Monday is expected to set a record for World Cup attendance with more than 90,000 expected. 
With more than 95% of the total tickets sold, the World Rugby Chief Executive Brett Gosper says the tournament will be much more profitable than the 2011 edition in New Zealand. In terms of commercial revenues, they've grown probably about 60% since the last World Cup in 2011. So we're targeting around 240 million of total commercial revenues of which television would be 65 percent of that we're expecting a surplus to be invested back into world rugby of in excess of 150 million pounds brett gosper says the tournament will be broadcast in 203 countries globally and to hear more from the man in charge of the 2015 rugby world cup alex coogan reeves caught up with stephen brown to find out what the teams have thought of the build-up to the tournament We've had some brilliant feedback and we've done the same things for, for everybody and we've worked very closely with the teams as well. We're, one of the things that's really central to our preparation was to make sure that this worked for the teams. You know, really wanted it to be the best experience they could have. So the best facilities that we could provide them, they were involved in those choices and selections as well. So we, anything that wasn't right, we made sure was put, put right. And if things emerge during the tournament, which inevitably they will do, is that, you know, people are very focused in this time, obviously, uh, we'll, we'll address them. We'll, we'll work with the teams and make sure they've got everything they need. But at the, 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 the rugby is at the heart, heart of this. The play are at the heart of that and we want to make sure they've got exactly what they need to deliver the very best performance they can in this tournament. Steve Hansen said when he arrived that he thinks it's on track to be the best World Cup ever and said that you've um, picked a lot of things up from New Zealand's hosting in 2011 and learnt from maybe some mistakes. What were some of the key things that you sort of maybe picked up from that tournament? Well, we've, we've looked back at all of the World Cups, certainly the recent, more recent ones, including New Zealand, uh, and it's less about the mistakes, it's more about how we make it even better, I think, because uh, you know, we've, we've always acknowledged that there have been some fantastic previous World Cups, and we've, we've all enjoyed them immensely, but uh, there's always more we can do and develop, and we've, we've benefited from the scale of this, this World Cup in terms of the financial scale and the ability to uh, invest maybe more than, than has been possible in the past so where we can we can address sort of issues that were probably a bit harder in previous World Cups but to be honest with you it's just a continuously improving and building on, on the great great experiences that the teams and the fans have had in, in, in New Zealand and previous World Cups. I guess the one thing that was distinctive about the World Cup in New Zealand is that New Zealand is obviously undoubtedly a rugby country. Yep. England, it's not necessarily number one here. How confident are you that the public are going to get behind it like it was in New Zealand four years ago. Yeah, well, I think that's already happening. I think you're starting to get a feel about about the country and the, and the uh, sort of event. I mean, it's the biggest uh, biggest sporting event that's going to happen this year anyway. Um, people are um, very very interested in this event, and there's lots of people that have bought tickets. I mean, about probably about 30 percent, 40 percent of the people that are buying tickets and getting involved in one other shape or form are people that have not been involved in rugby before. Um, so they're people that are just new to it, and they're, they're trying to find out what this is all about. So that's a brilliant achievement. We can get those people engaged in in some way, shape or form. We really would see that as a real success. The managing director of the Rugby World Cup in England, Stephen Brown, talking to Alex Coogan Reeves. Lydia Coe's triumph at the fifth golf major of the year on the LPGA Tour, the Evian Championship in France, has got the golfing world talking about just how far the young woman from the North Shore could go. At just 18 years and four months old, Coe has become the youngest woman ever to win a major title. She's also just the third New Zealander to win one behind Sir Bob Charles's 1963 Open Championship title and Michael Campbell's 2005 US Open win. I spoke to former PGA Tour professional Phil Tartarangi about the importance of Coe's win. Where do you rate this in terms of achievements uh, for a New Zealander on the world golf scene, I suppose? Well, it's, it's clearly pretty high in the top three, you would say, with uh, Sir Bob's win in 63, Cambo's at the US Open at Pinehurst in 05, 
Uh, we've only had three major championship victories by New Zealanders, so it's certainly in the top three. I think when you compare those three together, they're all all stunning performances. I certainly wouldn't want to put one major performance above the other. I guess history would tell us, however, that um, Sir Bob being the first left-hander to capture a, um, a major title and Lydia being the youngest female, second youngest major champion in golf history, um, they're pretty phenomenal performances. How far do you think she can go in the game? Well, it's a, it's a good question because Annika Sarangstrom and um, Lorena Ochara have been two people that she has looked up to and been pretty open about how much she has modelled a lot of the decision-making in her career around those two icons of the women's game. I guess the, the interesting thing here will be for Lydia's management team will be can they um, turn her into a sports icon? She's clearly... Um, already a bit of a beacon on the LPGA Tour, not only because of the, I guess, the uh, the rapid nature of the way that she's capturing victories and now uh, su- surpassing Morgan Pressel as the youngest woman to have captured a major title on the LPGA Tour, but I think all the other attributes that she has as well, and being so personal, being a darling of the media, and um, I guess with a little, a slightly different story to um, to Sorenstrom and Lorena Ochoa with her heritage and, and coming from our neck of the woods I think um, and she's already been recognised by ESPN with their ESPY awards so I, I think the, the challenge here will be what will brand Lydia Co develop into because I think her, I, I guess her shooting star for as a golfer is is pretty well forecast here and and you'd expect her to capture multiple major titles, and that's that. We, we I think we expected that out of her prior to getting over the hump here today. But I think it'll be what can she transcend? Can she transcend the sport and and carry the sport in a in a whole different light as um, as it fits within all other different sports and life. Well, yeah, when you compare it to Annika and Lorena, like Annika's first major came in 95 when she was 25 and Lorena was uh, about 26 when she won her first major. So Lydia's sort of blowing them out of the water and she's really keeping up with the guys. Do you think that she could be the likes of a tiger in women's golf? Well, certainly um, the, the, at the rate that she's winning at, absolutely. Um, I'm not sure if she's quite the same polarising figure um, as Tiger has become. Um, and look, it's young. And, uh, and, and Tiger had a lot of followers that, um, that were not necessarily golfers or golf fans when he came onto the scene um, because of his heritage, because of, his, of the colour of his skin um, and, and how that broke down some barriers in the sport. And... I think for Lydia, and this is certainly not heaping too much pressure upon her, but you know she can't help her story. It just is what it is. And I think the world media are starting to really fall in love with the, the brand Lydia Co. in that she's just so very personable. And so when you talk about her, her, you know, the way that she's got started here at such an early age on capturing 
old physiotype, I think it's nine now. Um, and she's not even 18 and a half. Um, her first major title. Surely she's on track to, you know, to to capture the 10, I think, 10 major titles for Annika Sorenstrom throughout her career. Um, it, it, the, old, the old hairy chestnut is you can only win one at a time, though. And um, what we've seen, though, out of Lydia is that at each new step she takes in her career, it doesn't seem to have phased her. It's just another stepping stone along the way. And so although this is a major milestone today, I don't expect her to be um, handicapped or or there to be all of a sudden a new, you know, new amount of pressure upon her shoulders as she goes forward. That was Phil Tauderangi talking to me there. The Silver Fern star shooter Maria Tutayer will sit out next month's Constellation Cup series against Australia. Tutayer has been given extended leave by Netball New Zealand following the World Cup in Sydney. But the rest of the 12-strong World Cup squad is available for the series. The Silver Ferns coach, Waitamonu, told sports editor Stephen Houston she thought more of the World Cup squad would have wanted a break. I had wondered. Um, I knew how tired people were. I knew how much effort they'd put in and I knew how disappointed we all were. Um, so I wondered, uh, but as um, the post-World uh, Cup period ticked down, more and more of them were keen to come back and have another go and finish the year. So um, I think I'm delighted 11 of 12 of them have felt... Um, refreshed enough to come back into the fold again. What do you think that tells you? I hope it tells me that they want to have another crack and get it right this time. What about that World Cup performance? Have people managed to get over it? Um, look, I don't think, I don't know, my experience would be you never really get over things like that. I don't think fully um, fully over it for many of the players, and I think this is an opportunity to do something about that. Not having Maria there, how much of a loss is that? a big loss in, in the sense that that was the team that um, came together so well and was playing so well at the end of the World Cup but in the preliminary matches and leading in we had a team of 12 and Jodie was performing really well um, in the end the decision was made to go with Maria and that was the lineup that the New Zealand public saw but behind the scenes Jodie did some great work as well and you know Malia Pasika is a completely unknown quantity and I will be interested to see um, Long as she turns up to trials in good shape, um, what the potential is with her. So Maria does need time out, and um, this is a situation that's new for Netball New Zealand, but I'm really pleased we've taken the, the view that we have. But it does open up an opportunity for someone else to step in. Although a player of Maria's class at her best and on form makes a, makes a huge difference to, to a team, and that was quite obvious at the World Champs. Yes, I believe so, but um, it's, still, it's, it's a really good time, really, to to see where we're at and what some of these new young ones can do. Had she indicated to you that she was going to take some time out? Well, she rang and spoke to me um, and told me that she was still tired and that she wanted to have a little bit of extra time. So we did have that discussion. Um, And I guess I left World Cup knowing that there were a couple of people that were going to be thinking about what they would be doing um, for the rest of the year and then for the rest of their um, careers. Australia too have taken a bit of a similar approach haven't they because I've named a couple of squads for the test matches here and then a different one for, for the ones in Australia Yes, so Maria's situation is relatively new for us but it is something we'll have to think about because the um, international requirement is so much greater than it used to be and that's coupled with an ANZ requirement that's also um, increasing so I think both countries will have to think hard about how we recover and refresh players going forward So she becomes the first silver fern to take a sabbatical um, in a sense, 
it's a bit of a precedent-setting exercise for us. The payback is we get it refreshed and um, and engage Maria in December, committed for another year. So that's the sort of thing we're looking towards. Is she the kind of player that needs to refresh and needs to be re-engaged with? At the moment, that's where she feels she's at. And look, there's a big load that falls on Maria, not only on the court, but off the court. She does a lot of work on behalf of the Ferns because for many people, she is the face of the Ferns. So I, I think that probably took a greater toll than we were aware of. Silver Ferns coach Waitamonu talking to sports editor Stephen Hewson. You're listening to Extra Time, a web-only show brought to you by Radio New Zealand Sport. The Warriors have farewelled English fullback Sam Tompkins this week after the 26-year-old flew back to the UK to play for the Super League side Wigan in next season's competition. Tompkins was granted an early release from his three-year contract with the Warriors and cited homesickness as his reason for wanting to leave. After playing two seasons with the Warriors, sports editor Stephen Houston caught up with Tompkins before he left to find out what he made of his time with the club and his plans to return to New Zealand in the near future. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, on the field, like I touched on, it wasn't wasn't planned. You know, we, we didn't make the finals um, in in either year, and um, you know, and, and certainly with this year um, being being injured for about half the season was was frustrating. Um, but you know, I, I feel like I've learned a lot here, and um, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed it. You've talked about being homesick, but that you'd also maybe like to to come back to the NRL. Is it more of an issue with the Warriors? No, no, not at all. Not at all, I think. You know, it's, it was the perfect club for me to come to in terms of um, fitting in. You know, I've enjoyed every bit of, of being a part of the club. And, you know, if, if I ever was to come back to the NRL, then, and, you know, the, the Warriors would be the, the first team I'd, I'd like to play for. I mean, you've had a couple of years now to have a look at the club. What do you think needs to change if things, if they're going to succeed? Um, I think it's, it's just consistency. Um, you know, things are off the field I think things are certainly progressing and Jim Doyle's doing a great job at the club um, but on the field um, you know just, just more consistency and you know I think it's it's been a case of um, you know for too many years now the Warriors have just not quite made it so uh, I'm sure I'm sure it will change I mean you, you've obviously had experience over in the UK I mean what can you put your finger on to maybe think that might help that consistency improve oh, I'm I'm not too sure that's that's why I'm. Uh, that's why I don't envy the coaches. You know, that's that's the job. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but um, there's certainly been games where we proved we could we could beat anyone on our day. You know, we we beat Melbourne convincingly, and uh, you know we've had some real tough games that we've won. But um, you know, at, at times we've just sort of we've fallen away. And you know, we've, I think once 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 we got behind this year, some games it was you know we probably didn't have the right mentality to get back in it. What are you going to miss the most? Um, just just living in New Zealand. You know, it's, it's a brilliant place, a beautiful country, and, and somewhere that I've you know I've really enjoyed. And you know, I'm I'm planning on you know living here again at some point. And you know, maybe when I finish playing. And um, but yeah, I think it's just a, the Kiwi lifestyle. You're very lucky to be in such a such a beautiful country. It sounds as though the place has made an impression on you. Then, if you if you want to come back and live here. Yeah, it would. It would. Um, I, I think as soon as as soon as I arrived, you know, I loved the place and. Um, you know, certainly all my family that have all been over visiting have, have been the same, you know, thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, I can see myself living here later on in life. And what are you looking forward to most about getting back home? Uh, just just family and friends. Um, you know, it's, it's a big thing for me. Um, I've got a close-knit group of friends and, and, and a real close family. So um, two years away from them is probably enough for me. 
um, for the time being. Um, but you know, at some point I might I might move away again. But but no, it's it's the right time for me to go home. Sam Tonkins talking to sports editor Stephen Hewson. From one departure to another, former All Black Zach Guilford has announced that he signed a 10-month contract with the New South Wales Waratahs for the 2016 Super Rugby season. Guilford has been playing in the ITM Cup for Hawke's Bay after he returned from a short stint with French top 14 club Clermont. The 26-year-old, who has played for the Hurricanes and the Crusaders in past Super Rugby seasons, had hoped to pick up a contract with a New Zealand franchise for next season, but hadn't gained any interest. I spoke to Guilford about why he decided to cross the ditch next year to join Daryl Gibson's Waratahs side. Daryl approached me a wee while ago when uh, I got back from France and I sort of said yes and then I sort of had to think about it because I'd just come back from France and um, you know, sort of dwelled on it for a wee while and thought, you know... Um, it's a pretty cool opportunity. There wasn't uh, a lot of interest from New Zealand, so uh, you know, as I said before, Gibbo's a coach that um, has been one of my favourites over the years, and someone I love to repay with um, some good footy. So, and you're sorry, mate. And you're impressed with the facilities over there in Sydney? Yeah, great facilities. Um, based uh, next to the Roosters and another AFL team, and um, you know, the facilities are a pretty good, good gym. And you know, went over there, and the boys are already training, so the you know the professionalism shone through, and. Um, and it shows that they're in a good mindset for this coming season. Um, you've got uh, the Bay of Plenty, Oak Bay playing in the Shield Challenge this mm-hmm. week and then Auckland next week. Is it going to be hard sitting on this or sitting watching the game? Yeah, it's always hard. I mean, um, you know, it was even hard last week when we played Canterbury and, jeez, uh, we played pretty uh, pretty poor, so it's always hard um, you know, seeing the boys play when they win and when they lose it's even harder. So um, you know, hopefully we've got a big two weeks in us and then um, finish off the season strongly. You're confident that you can uh, hold on to the shield? I mean, Auckland are looking pretty good. They'll probably be the, two, the harder of the two teams. Yeah, I think if we can uh, get past Bay Penny this week, then um, you know, Auckland have shown some, some good form and uh, you know, they've got some good young players and they'll be bloody tough to beat. But um, yeah, us at, us at home, you know, we're, we're pretty confident as well. So you know, hopefully we can hold on to it. Just quickly on the World Cup, uh, fond memories of it from 2011. Got any like words of wisdom, I suppose, for the likes of Nihi and Wasaki? You know, they're going into their first World Cup like you in 2011. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, obviously they've, they've, the selectors have picked on form and these guys have been the most exciting players in the Super, Super 15 uh, this year. So, um, you know, they'll be extremely confident and, uh, you know, just if I had one word of advice just be for them to embrace it. I mean, it only comes around every four years and most people only get one opportunity apart from, you know, um, you know guys like Frigs like Richie McCall and Dan Carter and those guys. So, um, you know, it's something that they should embrace with uh, two hands and go hard. Confident that the ABs can uh, win the World Cup over in England? Yeah, I think so. I mean, for me, um, looking at the team, the ABs seem to have uh, the most firepower, but you know, it comes down to a bit of a mental game, uh, especially when you're playing the Northern Hemisphere. And you know, those boys will be um, extremely passionate playing in front of their home crowd, so it's going to be pretty tough. Zach Guilford will join the Waratahs at the end of the ITM Cup this year. Finally, the Pinnacle Cup competition in New Zealand football kicks off on Sunday afternoon in Auckland when local club Eastern Suburb takes on Napier City Rovers for the Chatham Cup. Eastern Suburbs are bidding for their sixth Chatham Cup title at Waitakere's Trust Stadium, while Napier City Rovers are trying for their fifth national knockout title. It's been an impressive season for Eastern Suburbs. They only got promoted to Auckland's Northern Premier League last year and they went on to win it. Eastern Suburbs coach Malcolm McPherson told Richard Wayne the club's over the moon with their season so far, but the job's not done yet. Oh, look, it's just been a collective effort. We recruited well in the summer, and the uh, the boys that were uh, that still at the club, they you know they got promoted, so they had that kind of 
that winning feel about them as well. So, uh, you know, we added uh, a little bit of extra quality to the group and sort of seven or eight games in, we went on a 19-game winning run and it just kept rolling. You know, that's pretty much seen us through. 19 straight games. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty impressive. I mean, it was, I think, any run along there, you've got to have a little bit of luck along the way. So we rode our luck at times, but, um, you know, for the most part, the performances were consistent and, you know, it's, uh, it's been, a, been a really good season, so far anyway. Uh, absolutely. Um, according to the New Zealand football, it's, it's looking like it could be your most successful season since the 1960s. Uh, Northern League champs twice, Chatham Cup three times, and a League and Cup double back in 65. How good would it be to get the club back to those sort of heights? Uh, look, we're just concentrating on the game on Sunday, really. You know, anything else that, uh, that comes outside of that, then great. But, uh, you know, we, we do see those guys that are in and around the club and, uh, you know, reminding us the last time it was achieved, you know, the coach at the time as well. You know, he's a regular to the, to the home game, so uh, it would be nice to, to emulate that. But, as I say, we just need to concentrate on the game and, you know, look after that first and foremost. Well, of course, Eastern Suburbs are a big Auckland club, aren't you? If I recall, you've got, what, eight or ten fields out there at Meadows Farm, uh, massive amount of teams, you know, midgets through to seniors. How much of the top side comes through the system? You said you've added a couple. I mean, how, how much of the core has come through the grades and uh, is a local product, so to speak? Yeah, look, I'd be lying if, uh, if I said it was. Uh, they were all local boys. Uh, you know, we've recruited a few lads from overseas. You know, we've got five or six regular Kiwis in the side as well and you know pretty much the out of a 15 player squad 16 player squad you know I'd say 10 11 of those boys regularly have been uh, have been Kiwi lads so as many of those have come through the club there's been one or two I think but uh, I think that's something that, you know as we move forward that's uh, that'll be more of a concentration for us but uh, you know for my first season in the job my first role was to make sure the first team's successful so so far the job succeeded You've seen off some big clubs, obviously you knocked out the, the champions Cashmere Technical, Western Springs, another big Auckland club, and you've got another big club coming up, haven't you? I mean, Napier City Rovers, I think they've won it five or six times as well. How, how do you rate them? Yeah, they're a good side. You know, we, we know it's going to be a tough game. You know, they've got uh, some experienced players that have uh, played on, you know, in these sort of games before. You know, they're a strong physical side and, you know, they've got, uh, you know, some, some players that can really hurt you. So we know it's going to be a tough challenge. You don't expect to get to a final and it not be, but, you know, we'll be ready and looking forward to it. And, you know, I just hope for, you know, everybody that goes to watch it, it's a nice day and, you know, it's a good game of football. But, uh, yeah, no wonder, no illusions, it's going to be a tough match. Malcolm McPherson talking to Richard Wayne. Now, to hear from the player coach that McPherson will face on the weekend, here's Bill Robertson talking to me about what he expects out of the Chatham Cup final. We've had good preparation. The boys are really focused. Um, you know, it's been couple of weeks now since last played our last Central League game, um, which has been good. It's allowed us to prepare solely on the Chatham Cup final and the boys are, are excited about the opportunity um, and are focused on, on achieving what we've, what we've set out to right from the start of the season and that's, that's to win the Chatham Cup. Yeah, I uh, see you've actually set a few records this year. Uh, you scored, I think, 80 goals in the regular season and had set the record or equaled the record for most points uh, in this season uh, so overall you'd say it's been quite a dominant uh, performance from Napier this season yeah very much so um, yeah, I mean obviously the records are a bonus for us um, at the start of the season we sat down and uh, and spoke about what was a realistic target for us and we felt that winning winning our um, our competition the Central League and also the Chatham Cup was a realistic target um, we're now 90 minutes away from doing that um, and along the way you know we've, we've, we've set a few set a few league records so it's, listen it's been a fantastic season the boys have worked incredibly hard 
Uh, we've set, we've tried to set some really high standards and challenge the boys throughout the season, and you know more often than not they've um, they've applied themselves at those standards, and that's that's secured us positive results consistently. So you know we'll be looking to do more of the same this weekend on Sunday. Yeah, eighty goals is uh, quite a phenomenal amount. So would you say your attack is probably your strong point for this weekend's game? Um, yeah, I like to think I like to think uh, our defence is a strong point as well. We've we've not conceded um, an awful lot of goals as well, so. You know we're proud of we're proud of our defensive record as well. But obviously, yeah, I mean, um, in order to win football matches, you've got to score goals, and and, and we've done that. Um, we've done that well this season. So we, we create a good number of opportunities, and it's obviously about taking those opportunities. But I'm expecting this the game this weekend to you know to be a tight encounter. Um, and on a final, it's just about getting the result and getting the job done. So um, you know we're looking forward to it, and and and, um, and like I say, the boys are, are excited about the opportunity. Um, how how are the boys uh, or the how are the guys preparing for the final? Are they are they pumped? Yeah, very much so. Um, like I say, we finished our, our league season a couple of weeks ago, um, so we've had you know we've had a, a couple of weeks of, of really good preparation and, and, and focus, and and uh, obviously as, as the day creeps a bit closer, uh, you know the excitement builds, but. Um, you know, it's my job to try and keep the keep the, the level heads and keep them calm and, and keep them focused on, on on what we set out to achieve. But obviously, you know, it's um it's a huge opportunity for the players um, to perform on on you know on a national stage, uh, the pinnacle of of New Zealand club football. So yeah, obviously the boys are the boys are excited and, and, and raring to go. Yeah, I suppose you'd kind of consider it home uh, field advantage for Eastern Suburbs, even though it's at uh, Trust Arena. Do you think that'll play into the final at all on the weekend? No, I don't think it will, to be honest. We've um, we've had to do it tough this year in terms of our Chatham Cup run, so we've had six out of seven games all the way from home, um, mostly down to Wellington, obviously Birkenhead in the semi-final, so up to Auckland, and we're back up to Auckland again, so... Um, you know, we've 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 dealt with that over the course of the season. We've got used to the travel and the preparation, and and I certainly don't think that'll be um that'll be a factor on the weekend. We'll prepare well. We'll travel up the day before, um. So so come two thirty on on Sunday, we'll we'll be ready to go. That was Napier City Rovers player coach Bill Robertson. And that's extra time for this week. Your feedback is always welcome via Twitter at RNZ Sport or our emails sport at radionz.co.nz. I'm Matt Chatterton. Bye for now. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.